0: Welcome to Back to Finding Peaks, episode six. Here live at five again with Clinton, Chief Operating Officer for Peaks Recovery Centers and Chief Clinical Officer, Jason Friesma, everybody. And myself, Brandon Burns, your host. Excited to be back here again today talking about um, things that are important to this industry. Absolutely. Um, The topic that I wanted to uh, bring forward and discuss with you guys today is on boundaries. Um, I was sitting with a staff member um, Yesterday and I think kind of a backstory to this is that when people are engaged in, you know, a recovery journey or um, Or work within this industry The notion of a boundary is sort of intuitive and there's a real sense about it You know, we say boundary hold a boundary do that and I think we get it But it's not clear to me that families get it and I was talking with one of our staff members and asked her to uh, define what a boundary was And her face got you know big and glowing and kind of smiley like i know what it is i just don't know how to tell you what it is and i think there's a gap there um in families in the way that they understand it and i think it's often met with well we're going to put a wall up in between you and your loved one or something like this and i think that's the common sort of colloquial um, way in which it's viewed for me a boundary is um so i'm going to i'm going to test my clinical skill sets here and what it is, is it. it. it's, it's a, it's an emotional distance between you and your loved one, the person who um, is going through or suffering from addiction. In this instance, to me, it's one thing to be supportive of them and continue to love them in a very familiar sense of things, namely as a family member. And it's another thing to state, okay, my boundary is I'm not going to give you money for drugs and alcohol well fine, you want me to go do X, Y, and Z on the streets to come up with this money. And then it creates a sort of tension and we seemingly sort of Mm -hmm. collapse in the boundary because we don't want them to do those other things. But I think strongly that emotional distance is the reduction of suffering. We don't want to suffer at the same time of the individual. So as swift as I can make this question so that it's not fumbling here. Yeah. Is that kind of an accurate interpretation that I'm providing for what a boundary is? And if it is not, what is your view of a boundary? Jason, will start with you.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Surprising. You're calling me out. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to put a boundary up and say Clinton. King. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you're exactly right. The boundary is some sort of delineation that says, this is where I stop and you begin. Right? Like that's like a boundary of a, I don't know, uh, of land and, um, whether it's backyards or whatever. Like I think and to your point, I think you, you actually, your story of like the boundary creates the space so that, um, regardless of what's happening on your side of the boundary, it's not going to derail or hurt or uh, cause me to suffer. Um, I, can, I can have empathy looking over this boundary and recognize that you are suffering, but it's not going to create that suffering for me. And oftentimes that's where boundaries get so blurred, right? Is that it seems like uh, sometimes we have families that, that will reach in and pay off a drug dealer or buy heroin for their loved one because they don't, they don't want them to suffer anymore. And, and we do call that a boundary violation. And it's because they haven't been able to make that delineation between this is where my loved one starts and where I end. Clinton, over to you. Over so to me, over yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, I agree, actually, So surprisingly. Oh, okay, I agree. next question. Yeah, <laughs> well said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, at, boundaries are definitely about, um, it's, for me it's more about differentiation, right? Like being able, like you said, to, to, to see where I, stop and where you begin. Um, and I think, like, like you said, Brandon, intuitively we know what boundaries are, but we have a hard time talking about them, we have a hard time recognizing them. And generally speaking, uh, culturally, we don't ever really work on what it means to create a boundary. And so it's, it all seems very familiar and very new at the same time for most people. But uh, in the end, you're creating that emotional distance. And in between those two, in that distance, you've got this little, like, uh, kind of river that you can navigate the sort of complexities of relationships, and so, um, yeah. So, so, hold on,
1: I'm going to okay. add something. insert. Uh, I, don't, I don't mean to, but maybe you're already going in this direction, but I do think uh, the thing with boundaries, too, is if they aren't, if they aren't made outside of, like, a contentious or highly emotional state, then usually that creates problems, right? Like, usually boundaries oftentimes are enforced out of anger or frustration or pain and, and they aren't kind of thought through. Right. So like going back to the the backyard metaphor, it's like we're not going to put a fence up up here, but like now I found dog poop and you know, like I don't know if it's on your land or my land and I'm just really pissed about it and, and I'm going to have this response. And so like having, having a willingness to prospectively, create boundaries is such a key component uh, in a recovery process. To say, not in the moment, not when somebody's in withdrawals, what you will or will not pay for, but like you know, like when somebody's maybe in a program like Peaks, now's the time to establish those boundaries so that when, when maybe the loved one begins to push on the boundaries, you can just fall back on them because the emotions are up and I want to respond in the way I used to, but now I'm not enforcing this boundary with anger Um, I I get to just enforce it uh, and just be sad on my side of the the boundary. Hmm.
2: I guess it's, for me...
1: uh, Are you gonna disagree with me?
2: uh, No, I agree with you. I think there's Every time you agree
1: with me, just make sure you mention that. I agree with Jason. Okay, great, thank Uh,
2: you. However, I completely (laughs) disagree with Jason and what he just said. No, Uh, I think the difficulty is in identifying who you are, right, like boundaries require a lot of um, self-reflection and self-awareness. And you have to have a pretty good understanding of your own personal identity in order to create boundaries. Um, And when you're talking about families, particularly families that are impacted by addiction, those boundaries are, those identities are completely enmeshed, right? There's just, it's really hard to see uh, where where a mother's love turns into enabling, right? Or where um, manipulation turns into survival, right? Like there's just, it's really hard to be able to figure that out. And so I think that that's where uh, most of the time, that's why these boundaries are created in frustration and anger, because there's not enough self-reflection and self-awareness to be able to do it unless you're in that actual emotional space. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, it does.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we've used, you know, words and principle to describe this. And so I'm going to uh, attempt through a stolen metaphor here to present kind of what it looks like conceptually. Okay. Um, it's a little bit medical, so bear with me, clinical might have to come along a medical journey with me. I'm here. on it I know okay. it's outside the yeah. box. Yeah. Um, but I think about it in this <laughs> stolen metaphor, um, from a group setting I was in once upon a time that it's, um, it's, it's similar to a cell that we as individuals are the nucleus within the cell and the cell membrane is permeable. It can allow for things and information and so forth to come into the cell. And then it also has this very. Um, fluent component of it that it can ebb and flow. So if the membrane's out here, I can bring the membrane really close. And when we're in intimate relationships, family and so forth, we bring people really close to here. So for me, the metaphor resonates because as we go to create the boundary and we move people away in the sense of like, I'm not gonna pay for your drugs and alcohol. I'm not gonna suffer in the same way with you it's not a wall, we still see the, infor- the individual, we're still willing to allow information within it, but we're really creating a space of safety um, that informs it. So I don't know if that totally resonates, you know, for the sake of time about, you know, um, as, a, as a fluent metaphor here, but I'm curious if you guys see it similarly, or um, if that's an appropriate maybe way that families can start thinking about it conceptually.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, ultimately we have a need to connect to other people and we want that membrane. Uh, we want it close. Uh, and so it it feels good to to have people be close And, and sometimes it feels worse to kind of be pushing people away. But like, um, when we allow people too close to us, uh, and they're not safe, it does create pain and usually chaos truthfully. Or conversely, we can move that boundary out so far that it creates kind of this loneliness and, and this wall. And so we are, I actually teach this uh, in, in some of my groups about how like we can challenge people and see if they are safe and, and worthy of being closer to us and sometimes they are and sometimes they're not and we, we can kind of be mindful about how close or how far away we keep our loved ones. And sometimes it hurts to push boundaries out with people we love, even if it's really important. And even if it is protective and keeping us safe, um, it can be really painful. Yeah,
2: yeah I, I mean, I think I take a slightly different approach clinically, just again, focusing more on identity, right? Like really helping people to identify who they are, um, focusing on purpose, especially now that they are shifting their identity from, uh, one of active addiction to one of sobriety and abstinence. So, um, but again, I think that, that level of awareness helps to, it doesn't make the membrane more permeable, but I think it makes it easier to recognize where, what that membrane feels like, exactly how translucent it is, exactly how permeable it is. Um, and to also know what feels comfortable versus what will ultimately become chaotic.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was speaking with a, a past, uh, uh, client's mother uh, just yesterday who, you know, some new things are coming up for the individual as she progresses in her recovery journey. And so she was just looking for, you know, thoughtful feedback and I reminded her as we, you know, go to implement or continue forward with the boundary that she has set with her daughter in this instance, okay, you're looking at your daughter on the other side of, you know, this membrane, you know, so to speak, and that distance that's between you, I get it as like a mother that's got to pull on the heartstrings. And I think really what i would like to resonate here for you know the audience is to just recognize that it, uh, i think we're in agreement here that that is a difficult thing to do and to look through your your loved ones in front of you suffering in a in a fairly significant way and I, with that space and that distance what can we you know, as far as feedback to families who are peering through the membrane, they've held the boundary and they're witnessing their loved ones, you know, suffered, you know, Jimmy, who was six years old in the birthday party and all the positive memories, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking at a very negative situation and who isn't a parent that wants to jump forward and rescue and save in that regard. Um, so what do we say to them? And, and, and on top of that, how important is it to continue forward with that boundary? Um, to reduce their own internal suffering and the impact on the individual on the other side.
1: Well, it, a lot of times, if we're talking specifically about addiction here too, like a lot of times it is honestly the suffering and pain that creates the change. And so frequently when, when parents or other loved ones are softening natural consequences uh, for their loved one, like maybe their kid is 23 and get to DUI and the parents hire a, a lawyer to get it somehow thrown out on a technicality. That's kind of great news in the moment, but like it doesn't create kind of the, the longer term change that just allowing a kid to face natural consequences will create. And, and I get it as a, as a father, like it, it hurts sometimes to watch my kids, you know, face the world. The world is hard sometimes. And sometimes they have to, fail a class or fail a test or um, bump into things that are hard or have a difficult break in a relationship and that sort of thing. And it's difficult as a parent to watch that. And I can feel the urge to want to protect them. Like that that was healthy a long time ago. <laughs> when they were really young, it was my, uh, my job as a parent to protect them. Now they're older and they're an adult. It's important for them to kind of face some of their own consequences because that's what's gonna lead for them to change. Right? uh softening that i think creates a scenario where it it removes some of that ability to change or to recognize kind of the consequences of their own behavior i I don't know if that makes sense but like i I think that's an important piece the softening of it because the converse of this too is i've watched parents soften consequences for their loved one and then be like why won't they change and it's like they're not you're facing all the consequences they're not facing the consequences that's why
2: Yeah. yeah yeah they're Change requires some level of tension, you know. Yeah. If you're taking all of the tension away because of the narrative of, that you're telling yourself, as far as like what a mother does, what love looks like, who your kid is, like you know, playing back these birthday parties from when they were younger, um, you know, you're not actually looking at reality or addressing reality, and you are you're creating more difficulties and barriers than anything. Um, but to answer your other question, as far as what do you tell parents who are looking through that membrane, I guess. Uh, for me, it would be to stop looking through the membrane and actually look at the reflection of yourself in the membrane because you have to stop looking outside. Like it's, there's no more, at this point, if you've made it to a, a residential treatment facility for addiction, then that's it. Like there's, there's no more trying to fix this um, and do it the old way. It's now you have to lean in and let the process happen. And you have to have faith that your family member is going to be able to get through it because you cannot take them through this. All you can do is become healthy within yourself and figure out within, no, it's just <laughs> no, no, a thing, and figure out what your boundaries are and what your boundaries, what boundaries you need, your non-negotiables to, to make you happy and to, to be healthy so that you can actually show up for your kid in a way that it's not about softening the edges, but it is about being there to support them when they fall.
0: Yeah so you know, whether piercing through the membrane, you know, visually or in a reflection in the cells, the common experience that I witness happening is, you know, be prepared to be emotionally beat up. There's a manipulative, you know, individual, namely on the other side, trying to accomplish their goals, namely to continue to use drugs and alcohol you know, sort of at will. And so we become punching bags in that. Well, you weren't a good mother and you weren't a good dad. And if you had done this, I'd be here and I don't need this. And that chaos that falls out of it can be quite penetrating. But I want every family member to know there's no certain rule book about how to raise a child and do things perfectly here. And just because you set the boundary, you know, from this room to you as a viewer, know that we know you love your loved one. There is nothing, Every family member I talk to, no matter how frustrated or seemingly angry the situation has come to, they love their individual, their family member and their love life. And so I just want to honor that, you know, as far as the love mechanism goes within that and that we see that. And, you know, maybe at the, the end of this, you know, um, episode here, what would you guys like to add to that notion?
1: I mean, I think you captured it really pretty well and pretty passionately, Brandon, but like, it, that isn't, to your point, um, it, it's almost never a lack of love. No. Uh, it's almost never a lack of care or concern or willingness to work, um, work to get uh, somebody out of the suffering. It's just, it oftentimes is just a lack of information or lack of skill. Um, and then a little bit of what clinton said too which was like sometimes it takes parents too of like i don't how could i have a drug addict i don't want to have a drug addict i don't want to my kid to go to rehab <laughs> like the, sometimes there is that that self message of like working through one's own shame about about being in a situation and you know i'm just here to tell you like addiction and mental health affects so many families so many loving families so many caring families uh, from all walks of life, it, it permeates all of those families. And it's not a reflection of good or bad parenting quite frequently. It's a factor of many other things. Absolutely.
2: I mean, I think I would go, I would actually say that boundaries are love like that is the healthiest way to express love is through boundaries. Because in that moment, when you have healthy boundaries, you've given one another space to, to be able to explore within yourself. To integrate, um, to uh, and also to interact in a way that's healthy, that is supportive, that's genuine, um, and really, yeah, I guess for me, boundaries are probably the ultimate ex- expression of love. And it feels so counterintuitive, but that's kind of recovery. Like a lot of it is very counterintuitive, you know. Um, and but if I could tell parents one thing, I would probably leave them with that. Yeah, wonderful.
0: Well, I've greatly appreciated this conversation. I think boundaries is an important topic that we should definitely come back to and hopefully provided some insights that make this concept more clear for individuals uh, and families uh, going through treatment, you know, approaching treatment, um, whatever the case might look like, but it's a very impactful tool that we all have access to in each and every moment um, to uh, nurture change in our loved one's behavior, especially when they're suffering from addiction or um, you know, any underlying or co-occurring mental health disorder along the way. So um, that's a wrap for episode six. Uh, greatly appreciate everybody joining us again here, uh, full cut. Um, thanks for joining us again with Finding Peaks and we'll see you next time for episode seven. Bye-bye.